Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Welcome to Grace. Uh, Glad to have you here this morning. If you are a first-time visitor with us, welcome. We're certainly glad to be worshiping with you. If you're joining us today online, uh, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, I'm certainly blessed. I have many friends uh, that are watching me live and that are here uh, as well. So it's my pleasure to be here with you all this morning. My name is John Timmons. I am one of the elders here at Grace. Um, And in addition to that, I have the pleasure of serving as the treasurer for both the church and the school. So it's a a job I highly recommend and I'm happy to turn over. Super Bowl Sunday, hard to believe. Uh, how many, just by a show of hands, who's a, who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Anybody in here? Got one? Wow. All right, all right. Uh, how about any Eagles fans? Any Eagles fans in here? I know we got Cliff. Okay, so oh, there we go, back in the corner, okay. Uh, I happen to be a Chargers fan, and so that's an entirely different sermon, so join me for that one. <laughs> oh, poor Chargers. Anyway. <laughs> I know it's already been mentioned, but I feel compelled to share it since I have the stage and the microphone. Uh, one more time, another plug for Curcio. It's a, it's a ministry that I've been a part of for many years, and I've heard it referred to as a, a retreat. But Curcio is, is much more than a retreat. It's really a, an opportunity to really fully immerse yourself in what it is to live a Christian life. It is an opportunity to spend three days alone with you and God. It's, a, it's an amazing journey. And on the end of the weekend, <clears throat> there's an opportunity for the pilgrims, those who have gone, gone through it, just to give a, a quick testimony. And without fail, every weekend, every man that I've ever heard go through Curcio will say two things. One, they'll say, wow, I've encountered God in a way. This was not any, like any retreat I've ever experienced. And two, why didn't I do this 20 years earlier? So that's my, that's my cell. There's a lot of us that have gone through the, the experience that are active in the ministry. If you're even on the edge of kind of thinking about it, I would just challenge you to take that leap of faith. Talk to one of us. Talk to Pastor Chris when he's back. Talk to Rocky, Christine, Jan Stolzenberg. Um, but uh, I just wanted to say that one more thing about Curcio. So I wanted to put that on your heart. Okay, so we're going to today... Continue our journey in the book of Psalms. Um, Today we're going to talk about Psalm 32, which really its underlying theme is about forgiveness. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and we'll get into the word of the Lord. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with the songs of deliverance. 
I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. And this is the word of the Lord. So imagine for just a minute that you have been convicted of a serious crime. And you have been in prison awaiting your trial. It's a long, lonely journey. Your freedom's been taken away. Your life as you knew it has been taken away from you and controlled by somebody else. You're anxious awaiting your jury trial. That's a long way out. It's a very lonely space. And the day of the end of your trial finally arrives. You're asked to stand. The jury files into the courtroom. The silence is deafening. Your heart is pounding. Seconds feel like minutes. Minutes feel like hours. Hours like days. Finally, the jury's seated, and the judge breaks the silence. Mr. Foreman, have you come to a decision? And the foreman stands up and says, Your Honor, we have. The judge asks, What is the decision? The foreman says, We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. Not guilty. Oh my gosh. Months and months of this accusation has been hanging over your head. The stress, the uncertainty of the outcome, the, 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 the longing in wanting to get your life back, all of that comes rushing into you with a wave of emotion that is uncontrollable. So you sob uncontrollably with emotion. You're so just relieved. And then the judge says these final words, you are free to go. Can you imagine what that might feel like? As a believer, you shouldn't have to imagine it. David certainly knew what it felt. Sorry, guys. Just give me a second here. I lost my part. So, yeah, thank you, God. So, David certainly knew. David in the Psalms certainly knew how it felt. Now, we don't know for certain the events that led to David's anguish. We don't know what sin David was burdened by. It could be, I mean, it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. It might have been the murder he committed. It could have been the adulterous relationship that he had with Bathsheba. It could have been any sin. But we do know this for sure, that this psalm, what we do know from this psalm is that it shows that David knew how it felt to experience the joy and the relief of God's forgiveness. You see, Psalm 32 is an instructional psalm so that we can know the blessing of God's forgiveness. It flows out of great anguish of David's heart as he groaned under the load of his guilt. Psalm 32 teaches us that to know the blessings of forgiveness, we need to feel the burden of guilt. You know, Whatever happened to guilt? I, I, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but I have, that guilt seems to be 
a lost emotion in today's society. We don't need to feel guilty because we didn't do anything wrong. It was somebody else's fault that we ended up in the situation we're in, or it's somebody else's fault. The rules didn't favor us, but it's not my fault. I ended, in, ended up in the position I'm in. And I'm not saying that God wants us to live in a space of guilt. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, everything Jesus did on the cross for us was to take away our guilt and forgive our sins, right? We're to leave, live freely within Christ. But what I am saying is that the, emotional, the, the emotion of guilt can be a good thing if guilt leads to remorse, remorse leads to confession, and confession to forgiveness. So I just want to make that point very, very clear. You'll notice that David in this psalm does not say, how blessed is he whose unspecified childhood issues are forgiven and whose denial and faulty coping techniques are covered. <laughs> Nor does he say, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute stepping over the line of acceptable behavior. David knew that he had sinned and he felt deeply the guilt of his wrong actions. His guilt was making him physically ill. A good case of guilt can be a healthy thing, again, when it leads to remorse, which leads to confession, which leads to forgiveness. Those who appreciate most the gift of God's forgiveness are those who have felt most deeply the guilt of their sins. I want to say that one more time. Those who appreciate most the gift of God's forgiveness are those who have felt most deeply, most deeply the guilt of their sins. The blessings of God's forgiveness are great. Forgiven, it's to bear, carry off, or take away a burden. Our sin is a burden which God himself bears or takes away. And now I'm sure you're all familiar with the term scapegoat, right? <clears throat> a scapegoat is someone or something that bears the blame so that everyone else can go free uh, from blame. Well, the term comes from the Hebrew sacrificial system. The high priest of the day would select a goat, lay his hands on the goat, and confess the sins of the people, thereby in ceremonial fashion putting their sins on the goat. The animal is then sent into the wilderness as a picture of how God carried away their sins from them. So this sacrificial system back in the day of King David was actually it's in a manner pointing towards the New Testament when the Lamb of God, Jesus, would bear our sins on the cross once and for all, giving us the freedom of God's promise. Martin Luther said, sin has but two places where it may be. Either it may be with you so that it lies upon your neck, or upon Christ, the Lamb of God. If now it lies upon your neck, you are lost. Have, if, however, it lies upon Christ, then you are free and will be saved. If your sin is upon Christ, you enjoy the blessing of a clean conscience. Now, when God placed on my heart to preach this particular psalm, I, uh, I got a bit of a chuckle out of it. Because this psalm, as I mentioned, has the underlying theme of forgiveness. Well, I don't know if I'm the only man here today that struggles with forgiveness, but I have struggled with forgiving others virtually my entire adult life. 
it is something that I've had to learn how to do through the love and the teaching of Jesus Christ. I want to share kind of a personal journey with you. So, so I'm going to take you on a little bit of my story and how forgiveness and God has worked in my life. Um, growing up, uh, my mom and dad had two sons, myself and my brother. Uh, my father did not want children, did not want family. And that was abundantly obvious to me uh, and my brother our entire childhood life. And he was actually a very smart man, my father. He was a firefighter for the city of Torrance. <clears throat> and he was largely responsible for what is now known as the Fire Prevention Bureau. Uh, and if you're familiar with the science of arson investigation, his contributions back in the 70s are largely what fire prevention and arson investigation are today. So you can imagine being a part of that foundation would come with a little bit of stress and responsibility. Imagine having a very stressful job and a family you don't want. Where do you turn if you're not a godly man? Well, my dad chose alcohol. He would drink very heavily, starting out on the weekends, then into the days, to the point where he um, finally got himself sick enough that he could no longer work. At the age of 47, he died of cirrhosis of the liver. <clears throat> and I'll remember that day as long as I live. I was just starting my career. I had just graduated from college, and I got the phone call. My dad had been in ICU for about two weeks, and I got the call that the decision had been made to remove him from life support. I got to the hospital as quickly as I could. He was at Torrance Memorial. And I remember walking into the room, and I saw the monitor, you know, the heart monitor, the thing that beep, 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 right? I walked in, and I watched it go to flatline. I closed my eyes, and all I can think of is, thank God he's gone. This miserable man, this miserable person, this person who put me through so much. I had so much anger, so much hatred. I was just relieved he was gone. I lived with that for years and years. And I didn't realize how much the burden of that non-unforgiveness carried with me through every relationship in my life. It was influencing my relationship with my wife, with my friends, with my family. It was, a, it was an insurmountable burden that I had to deal with. I grew up in the faith, but didn't really knew, know what it means to be in relationship with God. My family and I came here to Grace some 20 plus years ago. And in the early years, we came to know a man by the name of Joe Johnson. Pastor Joe, Papa Joe, some of us here know who he is. Pastor Joe was such a gift to my wife and I. He sat down and taught us that forgiveness does not equal accepting the way someone treated you. Forgiveness does not condone the actions or the wrong that was done against you. He helped us to see how Christ and the power of what he did on the cross gave such forgiveness at such an expense that in, for him to do that, there has to be a reason he's directing and guiding and teaching us to forgive others. 
I started to piece that together. It took me years in my journey, and again, I promise you, I've not perfected it, but I remember, I want to say probably late 30s, early 40s, I finally forgave my father. I, I, I remember falling down to God. I think I was actually on a Curcio weekend, and I left the burden of that hate and the anger, anger and, the, and, the, and the damage he did to me. I left it at the altar. I left it at the, at the foot of, of the cross. And again, this is my personal story, but I was amazed at the freedom I was given by that. It changed the trajectory of my life. My, my relationship with my wife grew exponentially. The, the relationship with my family, with my friends, God has shown me that through the forgiveness of others that I can have incredibly meaningful and lasting relationships with others. I have many of my friends uh, that I have done ministry with visiting here today, and it's just a testament to how when you forgive others and let that hatred go, what God can do with it. Yeah, amen to that, right? So by forgiving my dad, I began to see him in a different way. I began to realize he was a man with a disease. I began to realize he was a man who, I don't know if he felt guilt at all, but I do know for a fact that in his lifetime, he never felt forgiveness, at least for me. John Calvin sums it up this way. David in Psalm 32 teaches us that the happiness of men consists only in the forgiveness of sins. For nothing can be more terrible than to have God for our enemy, nor can he be gracious to us in any other way than by pardoning our transgressions. When we forgive, we are not only following what Jesus Christ taught us, we are growing closer to Jesus. And in so doing, we're living into our call to be his hands and feet, in a world that so desperately needs his love and forgiveness. When we experience God's forgiveness, we have a clear conscience before him. We have as our refuge, we have God as our refuge, we have his instruction, and we have great joy in him. You know, there are many blessings of God's instruction to us. In verses 8 through 9, David is telling us that God's instruction is one of the benefits of his forgiveness. These verses are telling us that God will teach and guide the person who is sensitive to him. If we confess our sins and grow in sensitivity to his word, he will direct us in his ways. We are not to be stubborn or self-willed like a horse or a mule so that God has to put a bit and bridle on us to give us direction. Rather, we are to be sensitive to his spirit and his word Developing a tender conscience. God will use those means to direct the forgiven sinner into paths of righteousness. I don't know if I'm the only one here, again, that has ever said this, but if any of you have ever asked, gosh, I, I just, I never hear God speaking to me. I just, I don't, I don't hear him directing me. I, I see others talk about it, but I just don't see it myself. And I remember... Years ago, when I first came to Grace, uh, there was a lady here that was in charge of our youth ministries. Her name was Linda Vinoy, um, and Linda is a dear friend and influence in my life. Um, and I was 
trying to figure out how to get involved. And so I went ahead and accepted the, um, the offer to teach Sunday school. And I remember talking to Linda one day after, after church. And, and I actually said these things. I said, Linda, I said, when you always talk about how God's talking to you. And I don't, I'm not getting it myself. And she actually answered my question with a very profoundly deep answer by asking another question. She just simply said, John, how much time do you spend in God's word? And how much time do you spend in prayer? (laughs) Okay. Um, Wow, clearly not enough because I wouldn't be asking the question if I did. (laughs) The point is, is that God speaks to us when we are seeking him. He promises in his word that if we seek him, we will find him. And so I began to dive deeper into the word. I began talking to God on a more frequent basis. Now, I don't know how, I've I've been part of the prayer ministry of grace for a long time, Um, but it didn't start out easy. And I don't know if any of you ever felt, gosh, I could never pray out loud or in person. You know, it's just just beyond me. It's too nerving or nerve. I, I don't know how you pray. But when I was young in my faith journey, I thought praying was you had to get on your knees your hands together, had to be a formal setting. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely a way to pray. But what I've learned, and this comes from so many of the teachings of Pastor Chris through the years, is, you know, God so profoundly wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus wants to be intimate with us. And a relationship is a two-way thing, no different than your best friend or your spouse or a family member. It's a relationship. How in heck can you have a relationship with somebody if you're not talking to them? So I find myself having most of my prayer time in my car or when I'm alone out on my patio. And I'll just start talking to God. And I argue with him, just like I argue with my wife, or she argues with me. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, that, I'm going to pay for that one. Um, but I'll argue with God. I'll wrestle with God on whatever's on my heart. And it, it could be something I'm facing. It could be that son of a gun who just cut me off on the freeway, and I decided to drop a few choice words, and now I'm saying, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. But it doesn't matter how you pray to God, and it doesn't matter how you spend time in his word. Just do it. That's where God shows up. He shows up in the middle of the night. He'll wake me. And I know it's a message from the Spirit that's, that's just giving a thought to my heart. He will have one of my brothers or sisters in Christ that are part of my faith family show up with a word of encouragement out of nowhere, unsolicited, for for no uh, solicitation of me, but that's God coming in and and speaking to me through the voice of others. I wanted to share that because I I didn't know if I was the only one that experienced that, but there are so many ways to grow in that relationship with you and our Father. And I share this because we hear this a lot that God desires us to live an abundant life. He wants us to live abundantly. And I remember when I first started coming to church as a a young adult, um, I thought, wow, cool. That means I get a Rolex watch and I get a BMW and a big house on the Palos Verdes Peninsula. No, that's not the abundance God's talking about. Trust me, it's not, because I don't have any of those things. Um, (laughs) But uh, the abundant life that God is talking about is one rooted in love and joy unimaginable. God's presence in your life 
is the, the, the joy that I have experienced through what David experienced in this psalm by just giving it up to God and, and, and being relieved of that guilt and that burden has been filled in my life by the love and the relationships that I have in and with others. You see, David is demonstrating what an abundant joy we can have, can be had when basking in the forgiveness of God's love. You know, Christ teaches us that by forgiving others as we have been forgiven, we remove the burdens that exist when we carry grudges and animosity. We, like the example of the prisoner I used at the beginning of this talk, can experience freedom in the way God has intended us to experience it. The great blessings of God's forgiveness are experienced as we confess our sins. Remember what I said before, a little guilt isn't a bad thing, but it needs to lead to remorse, which leads to confession, which leads to forgiveness. The turning point in this psalm that I chose to speak on this morning is verse 5, where David confesses his sin to God. David does not confess to a high priest, but he's talking directly to his creator, What does it mean to confess our sins? Well, the wonderful thing about the God we worship is that we don't need to do anything for his forgiveness. It was done for us on the cross. It is finished, Jesus proclaimed. His grace is abundant. His grace is the greatest gift we could have. All we have to do is say yes to it. That's it. How beautiful is that to have a God to love us so much, to come walk with us, to die for us, and then give us that gift of grace that all we have to do is say yes to. You know, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, our sins were forgiven once and for all. Confessing our sin is not informing God of what we've done wrong. You don't think he knows? (laughs) It's rather an acknowledgement in our relationship, in our conversational relationship with God, that, hey, I know, you, I know you know I messed up, but I'm telling you I know I messed up. And so, God, I'm leaning on you to help me reorient so maybe I don't do it again. But gosh darn it, I can rest assured knowing that I, if I do it again, which I likely am, that his grace is still enough to cover me. So... I want to leave you with this last thought that in the space of talking with Jesus and and walking with him, he will help you, guide you as he has me in how to overcome this, this, this stubbornness of human nature in forgiving others who have wronged us. And when he shows up and when you have been able to experience forgiveness the way that Jesus has forgiven us it is a life changing moment and I look forward to God working in and through your lives Amen If you'd like more information about our church please visit us online at gracehb.org 